0: I'm Nikia
1: Cheney, and I'm Cassidy Perong, and I'm Reina Shalice. And you're listening to Amplify, where we provide space to amplify the voices of students who have not been historically heard at Cabrillo.
2: That would include Black, Chicano, Chicana, Latino, Latina, Indigenous, Asian, and any other group of students who feel marginalized on our campus.
0: This podcast series was made possible by support from the Faculty Grants for Student Success, FGSS, and the Associated Students of Cabrillo College Grants, ASCC.
1: If you want to join in this conversation or support our programs, please reach out. We'd love to hear your voice.
2: Well, hello, this is Nakia Cheney. Um, welcome to another session of Amplify. We are going to be talking with Cassidy Perong and Reina Shalice and me, Nakia Cheney, just about a few things that have been really bothering us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. This is
0: Raina, and this is really us taking an opportunity to engage in a conversation that has been on our minds for a while.
2: Exactly. Why interrupting, right? You know what is it about group dynamics and where certain voices get heard and certain voices don't get heard. Um, so we've been talking about some of the interactions that we've been having just in our day to day lives, right? You know, Rena is going to be going into a doctorate program. Um, and you shared a really interesting story Rena. Can you go ahead and talk about that a little bit?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we were we were meeting each other, me and my cohort, getting to know one another and I started to notice a very male dominated pattern. Um so for example, I posed to the group, you know, what are your greatest excitements? What are your greatest uncertainties in this moment entering this doctorate and I started noticing that although there was some nonverbal recognition that many of us wanted to share something, there were two particular voices that would continue to either interrupt or interject basically during the conversation. And it got to the point where even though I did a quick reminder that we all want to be, you know, heard in this space, we want to make sure that we each have the space to share. Um, only maybe three of us got to share over a 40-minute period.
2: Wow. And, um, How many people were there? How many people total were uh, there?
0: About 10 people, 10 people or so joined. And, um, you know, just noticing the intersectionality of the people who didn't get to share, you know, those of us who were female, um, more particularly. Yeah, so it was very frustrating. And I found myself... After I did the first reminder, hesitating to continue to remind the group because it seemed like maybe it wasn't my place, right? Which is a very socialized response. It seemed like I didn't want to come across as a bitch or bossy, Mm -hmm. which I feel like as women um, in general, we don't ever want to be perceived that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is a dynamic that I see in a lot of different spaces, not only for that particular example, but, you know, it's just something I've noticed a lot. And I'm sure the two of you
2: also have similar experiences. Yeah, yeah. And I I really connect to the idea of like, how do you stop those dynamics, right? You know, you've got people monopolizing a conversation, And, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. You know, usually it's white male voices that do that. And how do you stop it? How do you break that down and say, hey, we need to hear from everybody. But how do you do that? And then kind of not feel like you're, you know, you're being a bitch or you're being overly harsh or you're being, you know, you yourself are in some way dominating that conversation, you know? And that's what I think is so interesting. Like my story was that I had an interview for a program and it was a joint interview in which me and another candidate were interviewing together. And he was a male voice, um, white male voice. And he actually interrupted me when I was beginning to answer one of the questions. And this is an interview. Um, And, you know, and, and I could see what happened. It was, I had said something that reminded him of something he wanted to continue to say in his answer, his previous answer, but he had had his turn. And so why do you do do that? And I kind of just allowed him to do that interruption, say what he needs to say, and then found myself kind of not even apologetically, but kind of going back and trying to re-engage him and trying to make light of the tension and then I thought about it afterwards and it kind of threw me off because I'm like, here I am talking all about anti-racist work and having black voices heard and doing the podcast series. Yet I am suppressing my own voice in this very interview as we speak. And I remember stumbling because I was like, wait, did I just do what, <laughs> what I said? that you know what I'm talking about, what I'm fighting against. And it was, it was really, really, kind of disheartening after the interview was over. Um and 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 I think about that. I think about the ways that we've internalized, you know, some of this like this ideology that we ourselves carry it with inside ourselves, right? Our expectations. So I don't know, how do we deal with that? How do we work towards not change? It's such a good question. <laughs> 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 do you want to add to this cast in any way? Like, like, are you dealing with any of these types of issues yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. It does come up a lot because I live with a bunch of people in the community that I'm um, housed with and we're all friends and we all care about each other. But I do see this dynamic emerge in the house meetings where it's the white male voices that are dominating the space and interrupting people and just like, we'll shut you down and like we'll cut you off and then for the rest of the meeting like I get really emotionally upset and like I don't want to talk to anyone and then I just shut down further you know and like I'm further unable and I like add to that dynamic of like now I was shut down and now I'm shutting myself down which Mm -hmm. makes it all the more complicated and harder to sort through yes
0: I love that example like going back to the one I was talking about at the beginning after I kind of, you know, interjected and I was like, hey, I just want to make sure we all have time to share our lived experiences. And the, the person I interrupted, he's like, oh yeah, always interrupt me, always interrupt me. And then as I was saying that, he took the, the, the space again, he took the floor and then I just decided to not say anything else.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so it's just like what you're saying, like, okay, well, as soon as I'm shut down by someone else, then I just keep myself shut down. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's uh, a challenging problematic dynamic that in many ways, maybe we have to practice, you know, something, something like, Hey, why are you interrupting? Like the title of this session, Mm -hmm. posing a question. I don't know, but I just really appreciated what you brought up there.
2: Maybe even practice being uncomfortable. You know, that was a, a conversation that I had with um, uh, there's another organization I'm working with in the community and you know this is an all black organization you know the SCCC coalition and we had this meeting and this meeting has no agenda it was just like we need to just talk right we need to just kind of get together and we need to just kind of have a conversation and a whole bunch of stuff was brought up but one of the things that was really interesting someone in the meeting said the spaces that we're building or we're trying to create don't need to look like the spaces that we're accustomed to. That they're gonna be uncomfortable, right? Because they're different and they're new. And I noticed that, that anytime we call out something or we mention something, everyone wants to shut down because we don't wanna approach being uncomfortable. Right. It's like, you know, I'm going to say something, but I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings or I'm going to, you know, that person might feel a little salty about it or whatnot. So let me back off and make this go easy. But that's like that's like normal discourse, normal conversation. If we want to break down some of these 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 barriers, intersectionality, if we want to break this down, then we've got to be willing to say, hey, um, I know we all don't feel good right now or I may feel a little funky, um, but that's okay. You know, that's okay. You know, like I know Raina, remember you said, you We talked about um when you learned what an Oreo was.
0: Yes. Oh my God. Can we yeah. talk about that? Yeah. That okay. okay. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I want to be accountable right now. So, In a previous Amplify session, our team um, was talking about making sure we had a balance of voices, right? A balance of Black voices, uh, having the white voice there, yes, but not the only voice. And I said, oh, it's like an Oreo cookie. And a voice inside me was like, Raina, don't say that. But I'm like, I'm going to say it, right? It's a cookie. Um, So here's the deal. That was a microaggression. And this was also an incredible opportunity for me to take a step back, step back and recognize that just because I'm unaware of what a term means doesn't mean I can't be accountable for the impact,
2: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm interrupting you, but, but how <laughs> we you learned about it? Because like, if we go back to it, you said yeah. it was like what an Oreo cookie is. And I think who was it? Was it me? Cass, that
1: said, yeah, I tend to let it. things just slide by. And I'm sorry, I know that doesn't help anyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, said, I said, wait, don't say that. Don't say Oreo. Don't say Oreo. And I remember you saying, Rena, what? Like, why? And I was like, well, do you know what an Oreo cookie is? Right. And then I asked you, Cass, I said, do you know what an Oreo is? And Cass, you were like, yeah, I know. I know what it is. And Rena was like, no. I don't know what it is, right? And so it was really interesting that we got to the point of education, right? We got to kind of that, that let's talk about what was done or what was said, because I do think it wasn't unintentional. You didn't know what it was. And it was, it was just, it was, it was unintentional. But I don't know if you felt this, Cass. Did you feel uncomfortable a little bit?
1: yeah but it's like the discomfort that comes with like like kind of like like food service industry I'm faced with like a lot of this stuff especially working at like like an air train food place you know there's a bunch of people like usually white people that'll come by and be like oh like we're so proud of you like you got so far and you're just like yo like whoa, why are you doing that you know like this is really weird but you just sort to let it fly by and you're like thank you, like, thanks for trying our food, you know, and just like letting like them do their thing. And like, that's something I can work on. It's just like not letting it just fly by when it happens, but it's hard to just call out. So it's uncomfortable, but it's like this discomfort that I've just grown up used to because it's just life.
2: Yeah, yeah, but it's things we're trying to change yeah. and that's what makes it so difficult, right? Um, and I'm, I'm with you the same way. Like it's easy to let those things slide yeah. Um, and as much like respect and love I have for this team like you know it is hard to say that like okay now I've got to tell you what an Oreo is right, right? you know what I mean it is hard like oh do I really want to go there right, right. and you then I think, today.
0: <laughs> yeah in that moment I put you in that position when I was like no what is it and like pushing to better understand instead of just receiving like I just did a thing and I just need to sit with that thing I wanted to know what the thing was so I feel like that also put emotional labor on you
2: which i see that now but yeah okay. you know, yeah okay, okay. yeah because i'm i was trying to figure this out you were saying like yeah it was a microaggression and i need to own yeah. that and I was thinking it was a what no like i didn't i didn't perceive it that way at all but now i see what you said like because the way that i was thinking of it was like if i say something let's say i say something to you cass and it 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 was a little racist and I did it unknowingly right and you called me out on it and I I would say something like my bad I'm sorry I'm and and move on right and then look it up on my own like what did I call her what did I say that was horrible you know like that but I wouldn't ask you to tell me why I why that was wrong that was you see what I mean like that would that's the emotional labor that you're talking about. Ah, and that's why I felt uncomfortable. Cause I'm like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, you know? <laughs> exactly. You know, but now I get it. Now I get it. So yeah, but those are the little subtleties that we need to get out there. Right. Right. And you even
0: having to be like, Raina, don't say that, that alone takes effort and energy you know, having to decide, oh God, should I have to, you know, say something? Should I call her out? Should I let this slide? Like all of that takes effort, you know, and even the decision to not call me out, for example, I think that puts more emotional stress on you too. So in so many ways, I just, yeah, I think that that was an opportunity me to be accountable and it was important for me to say you know I'm so sorry and I remember saying that I hope I said that
2: okay good no you absolutely did you did but I think what's interesting is like in in a way I think you've given us a solution to that problem so like if a if a person does something that's racially insensitive and they're Mm -hmm. called out on it to accept being called out and not put any more emotional labor on the person that calls them out. Yeah. So don't ask why this was racially insensitive. Don't question that. Don't overly apologize. Don't go on and on with it. Like, look, do that research on your own. Yeah. Go back and figure out and do that research on your own. But you know, that person who's called you out has done so much just to get to the point of calling you out.
0: Yes, absolutely. And uh, then to take it one step further, I texted the team and I was like, hey, buds, uh, so sorry about that, which then put more undue attention on the microaggression. So I just want to be fully
2: accountable. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah but it gives us a solution. Do, am I am I making stuff up here? <laughs> like, this, <laughs> does this help or are you like, this is just kind of weird? Because here's the thing, how do you do it? A lot of times, you know, you have people saying, I'm so afraid to say anything or do anything because I'm going to get attacked, right? Yeah. Um, And then there is that sense of just not knowing and not understanding these subtleties, right?
1: Yeah, and I feel like that leads back to what you were saying, Nikia, of like, getting more uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and like accepting that like, sometimes we're gonna say things that are like bad or racist or sexist or just not what we wanna say or communicate and just have to own up to the fact that like we have all been conditioned in this racist and sexist and society, you know, and some of those things have been internalized and some of those things we don't know about. And we just need to be comfortable I think with, saying things, talking to each other, accepting that we might misstep sometimes, and that's okay, that's part of the process. And also just like accepting that people will make mistakes and some people do want to learn and talking to the people like Raina, who was really receptive of understanding her misstep and just wanting to learn from it, wanting to build from it. I think that's huge of, yeah, just being uncomfortable.
0: Thanks, buddy. Yeah yeah and i think this also relates to this whole interrupting thing right that we started with in so many ways the way in which they're interrupting that is a microaggression that's communicating to us that what we're saying isn't as important as what they want what they want to say or what they think you know and that communicates something to us and that really starts to chip away at our sense of self if this happens over a pattern period of time right even if We've just, for example, met the person and this is a dynamic that's already in place because of sexist behavior that takes place regularly. You know, I think that this is really an opportunity for listeners too, to think back to any times in which they may have unintentionally said something that had an impact that matters, you know?
2: I've done okay. it, I've I've, I've yeah. misgendered someone. Um, and o- overly apologized and made, it, and made the room uncomfortable um, when I should have just, oops, dang it, and moved on, right? You know, and like, it's, and, and I get it, I get it. It's like how we have to unpack it a bit, but we also have to be okay with things being uncomfortable, you know, and making mistakes. Like, you know, we make mistakes sometimes and that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also being willing to receive the feedback, you know, there's this whole idea of white fragility and that's so real, you know, as a white person, I could have been like, oh, I'm offended that somehow I offended you. And, you know, how dare you call me out and all of these things. And that's a pattern that does happen, especially within the white dynamic, the white culture as a white person, white fragility is so real. And this is our opportunity as white people in those moments to be like, thank you for that feedback. And I'm sorry. Instead of, oh, that wasn't my intention. And oh, how dare you? You know, or the white tears or whatever it is. But I think that this is really an opportunity and was an opportunity as a white person to receive that and to learn from it.
2: So we got to stand up more right? We got to talk war. We got to push against that instinct not to call things out, right? Um, You know what I mean? And that's hard. That's hard. You're in a group, you're in a meeting, someone's monopolizing the conversation, you know, you should say, hey, and you can do it in a gentle way. Hey, I really feel like there's a couple of us monopolizing this conversation, and I want to hear from those who are quiet, you know, or I want to hear from a few people who haven't spoken yet, or let's be really mindful not to interrupt each other, you know, or something like that. But that damn, does that feel hard? I'm I'm sitting here saying it, and I'm thinking of a conversation I'd be in, and I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like can I really do that you know like can I really do but it's necessary and it's needed and then on the other end if you're doing those things unintentionally and we're going to assume unintentionality right you're doing those things are good intent you're doing those things unconsciously and someone calls you out to accept it graciously without defending without over apologizing you know, without questioning what has happened, to actually accept it and move on. Yeah?
0: Absolutely, yes.
2: (laughs) Any last words anyone wants to say about it? I know it's a weird conversation. It's a tough conversation, but if we don't have these conversations, then what happens, right? That's right.
1: One thing my therapist said when I talked with her about doing things that are like revolutionary or countercultural, she she said like it's it's going to feel like when you do something that goes against the grain, it's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to feel like you're gonna you're gonna experience friction and experiencing friction, we've been trained to like, you know, go with the flow, like just don't take the path of least resistance, you know, but sometimes that's not what we need or what the world needs. So just reminding that for myself to do that, you know, cause it's a really hard thing to do.
2: Yeah. And really just, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Irina, you go ahead. you <laughs> so
1: polite.
0: Uh, so really just, I wanted to say thank you both for this opportunity uh, to learn. Thank you for your courage to call me out. And um, it's just an honor. It's an honor to keep learning.
2: Yeah. And now you know what an Oreo is. Don't ever say that again.
1: <laughs> or like coconut or like any of the
2: Exactly, Exactly. But yes,
0: thank you. And I apologize. Yeah. Stop it. One too, many. One
2: too, one too many, many. many. one too many. And I'm calling it out. because now that's what I'm learning. I'm learning to call things out learning to stand up a little more right um and say that nope don't do that right or you know like and just and that does feel it is you're absolutely right Cass it goes against the grain it feels uncomfortable right it's not easy um but we got to do it we got to do this we're trying our best to make our spaces look different than those spaces out there right yeah it's necessary Mm So you've just been listening to me, Nikia Cheney, Rena Shalice and Cassidy Parang as we have a kind of internal conversation amongst ourselves. um, As we just talked about some of the issues that we are coming uh, across when we do these interviews and we're in these different spaces and with each other. um, Again, go out there and and have these conversations yourself. uh, And what am I supposed to say you guys? (laughs)
0: Uh, I would say you know speaking to all the white people out there receive the feedback okay yeah. have yeah. the courage to receive the feedback and help co-create this new space
2: exactly exactly and for the non-white people you know it's understanding we all have that fear about standing up and saying what needs to be said um and you know push push to do that even if it's feels threatening or it feels difficult push to say what needs to be said so you've been listening to amplify um <laughs> i don't know what else to say to that <laughs>
0: i think that's great thank you for listening um and please take this opportunity in your own everyday life to make a change to do it differently
2: All right. bye <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you for tuning in to Amplify, a podcast series for historically unheard Cabrillo
2: students. You can join us by emailing Reina Chalice at r-a-c-h-e-l-i-s at cabrillo.edu or me, Nakia Cheney, at n-i-c-h-a-n-e-y at cabrillo.edu or even texting or visiting our website at podcastforcabrillo.wordpress.com
1: and amplify your own voice too